Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Luke, chapter 19. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Well, the person with the gift of helps, they've got this gift of helps, they would run across the room, grab a broom and a towel, and they would start dabbing up the water and sweeping up the fragments. That person's not going to come over there with, you know, some and lecture that individual about, you know, give him a theological treatise on cup handling. No, he's not going to do that. Well, then the person with the gift of mercy, well, he'll come over and he'll say, oh, that's unfortunate, sweetie. Are you okay? Well, there's a little boo-boo on your elbow. Hey, can I, let, me, let me kiss your little boo-boo. They got the gift of mercy. Well, then the person who has the gift of teaching, well, they would say, well, listen, the Greek word for cup is kapizo, and it literally means always carry the cup with two hands because they've got the gift of teaching. And then you get the person with the gift of exhortation. They would say, oh, well, don't worry about it. Just go get another cup. I know you can do this. You can do it. Go try it again. Run out there, get another ceramic cup. Run back in here. Come down the aisle quickly. I know you can do it. They've got the gift of exhortation. And the person who has, you know, a gift of counseling, and they love to counsel, they would say, now, how do you feel about yourself? Did your father drop you when you were a child? Does this bring back memories of failure and defeat? How are you internalizing all of this? Because they, 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 they count. And the person with the gift of healing, they would say, cup be put back together in Jesus' name. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> they might say, are you okay? Can I pray for you? Listen, the point is all of these things are necessary. All the gifts in the body of Christ work together. And don't get angry when you see somebody exercising their gift and you're exercising your gift. God has given many gifts to the body to make one whole body. You know, some people come and they'll tell me, well, Pastor Rodney, I feel like the Lord is telling me to go to another church. And I'll tell them, well, that's great. Oh, well, it's a church down here, and they're a smaller church, and, you know, I just think I can be a blessing. That's great. It could be the Lord leading you from here to there to make that body down there complete because the gift you have here may not be being exercised here, but they need that gift down there. You see, we need all of the gifts to make one whole body. Can the church say amen? We need all the gifts. I'm going to wait while you clap your hands. That's okay. To make one whole body. And we should be doing business with the gifts God has given us. Now listen, don't confuse this parable with the parable in Matthew 25. Because in Matthew 25 is the parable of the talents. Don't turn there now. Just look there in your own time. But in Matthew 25, there's the parable of the talents. And one man in Matthew 25 is given 10, another is given 5, and another is given 1. Matthew 25 is a parable about faithfulness. 
This parable, if you're taking notes, you write this down. This parable is a parable about equal opportunity. Equal opportunity. Did you know that Jesus was an equal opportunity employer? Did you know that? Jesus has given equal opportunity to every man. Notice in this parable, every man got 10 pounds. God entrusted to each of us a gift, and we are to be faithful with what he has given. Now, I sat quietly this morning, and I was thinking of some of the things that God has entrusted to us and that he expects us to do business with and what, and what he's entrusted to us equally. Well, look, I came up with four just sitting down thinking you can probably think of more. But let me give you the four I thought of. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. First of all, equally, what has God given to every single person in this room? What has he entrusted to every single person in this room? Well, number one, he's tr- entrusted to us the gospel. Think about it. God has given every man the gospel of Jesus Christ, the message of the gospel. We're to do business and multiply the gospel message. And we're to multiply that message until the whole world hear it, hears it or, before, or until he comes. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 11. According to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. I think you know that one. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God to, for salvation for everyone who believes. Listen, nobody can say I can't share the gospel because I have a harder message. We've all been given the same powerful message that is able to transform our lives. Amen, saints? Well, not only has he entrusted to us the gospel, but he's also entrusted to us, think about this, time. Time. Think about it. God has given every man 24 hours in a day, not 23, not 28, but 24. We can never say, oh, that person gets so much more done because they have 28 hours in their day. You can't say that. If I had 28 hours, I could do that too. You can't say that. We've all been given the same amount of time, so no one has excuses. Benjamin Franklin said, the difference between a man of success and a man who fails is five words. The man who fails says, I didn't make the time. Notice I didn't, ha- Notice not, I didn't make the time. He didn't say, I didn't have the time. He said, I didn't make the time. I think that's very true. When a person's dying on their deathbed, listen, I've never heard them say, I wish I had spent more time in the office. I've never heard people say, I wish I had spent more time on the golf course. Or I wish I spent more time with my homies. Or I wish I spent more time on the road with my band. I never heard any of that. But I have heard people say, I wish I spent more time with my family. The kids grow up so quick. They go from, I was just telling my daughter-in-law tonight, from holding my grandbaby. In two months, she'll be one year, one years old. She's so cute. She's going to be a year old. And I told her, I said, yes, yeah, she'll be a year old in two months. I said, and she'll be five before you know it. And then she'll be 10 before you know it. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. And then she'll be 10 before you know it. And then 15 before you know it. And then 18 and 20 before you know it. And then they'll be staying in your house when you're ready for them to leave. (laughs) Before you know it. I want you to clap your hands if you know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about? 
and you give them luggage for a gift. <laughs> Hallelujah. Give them luggage for a gift. And they still don't get it. It's like I gave you luggage for a gift. Why? Why'd you give Oh, you want me to travel with you? No, I want you to get out. They still don't get it. It's like phone a friend. Use a lifeline. Phone a friend. Do something. But they grow up so quick. God has given every man time. What else has God given us and trusted to us? God has given every man, listen, the ability to give financially to the kingdom of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7, so let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves, anybody know this? A cheerful giver. The word cheerful means hilarious. God has entrusted to us a certain amount of finances. Some have more and some have less. But whatever we have, God expects us to do business until he comes. And then finally, I'm sure you could think of more, but God has given every man, listen at this one, you'll love it, their testimony. Isn't that true? God has given every single Christian a testimony of what Jesus has done for them. Every single Christian who was saved out of the pit and pulled out of the darkness to the light He has a testimony. For many of us, listen, God grabbed a hold of your life before you went too far. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And you have a testimony. And if you have a testimony, then you ought to share it. The Bible says that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and what? The word of our testimony. What? Nobody don't know that verse? It's in Revelation chapter 12, verse 16. We overcome by the, verse 11, pardon me. We overcome by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony, a powerful message that in one way or another has changed our lives. We all have equal testimony. Look at verse 14. We're going to read through verse 27, and then we're going to come back and we're going to have some comments. Look at verse 14. If you're looking at it, say I'm looking at it. But his citizens hated him. I want you to underline that. His citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him saying, we will not have this man to rule over us. And so it was that when he returned, having received the kingdom, he then commanded these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. And then came the first, saying, Master, your pound has earned ten pounds. And he said to him, Well done, good servant, because you were faithful in very little, have authority over ten cities. And the second came and said, Master, your pound has earned five pounds. And likewise, he said to him, You also over five cities. And then another came, saying, Master, here is your minas, your pound, which I have kept put away in my handkerchief. Why? For I feared you, because you are an austere man. You collect what you did not deposit and reap what you did not sow. And he said to him, out of your own mouth, I will judge you, you wicked servant. You knew that I was an austere man, collecting what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you not put my money in the bank, that at my coming I might have collected it with interest? And he said to those who stood by, Take the pound or the minas from him and give it to him who has ten minas. 
But they said to him in verse 25, Master, he has 10 pounds. For I say to you in verse 26, that to everyone who has will be given, and from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. But bring here those enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them and slay them before me. Stop right there, saints. Let me tell you what's going on. God gave each one of these men 10 pounds and he came and he called and he told them to do business until he comes. But his citizens, notice in verse 14, hated him and said, we will not have this man to rule over us. You know, I, I've, I've, I've heard this before. I think I, think, I think I hear it in our country today. We, have, we live in a country, unfortunately, that says we will not have this man to rule over us. Anybody agree with that? We don't want Jesus to rule over us. We live in a country like that. And even more sad, you know, I hear Christians who say we will not have this man to rule over us. As a pastor, I see it all the time. Believers who say, I will not have this man to rule over us. What do you mean, Rodney? Listen, you can have Jesus, and Jesus can be your Savior and not your Lord. He can be your Savior, and yet you haven't given him the reins of your heart. He saved you from your sin, but you're still leaning on your own understanding and, and, and your own feelings about relationships. And, and marriage and business and whatever it is, or somehow, somewhere, you're allowing Satan to use something or someone, someone, man, woman, children, hockey, whatever it is, to derail you and to get you off track. It is possible that Jesus could be your Savior and not your Lord. And isn't very interesting in our text, nowhere in our text do we see that the nobleman did anything for these citizens to hate him. And remember I told you the nobleman represents who? Jesus. And Jesus never did anything to anybody to make them hate him. And that's why I don't understand why people hate Jesus. Jesus said, I came to give you life and that more abundantly. Jesus wants to bless people. Jesus wants to show grace to people. Jesus wants to love people. Why do people hate him? I don't understand that. Why don't people, why don't more people want him? When all he wants to do is bless them. Look at verse 15. Notice the nobleman who represents Jesus, as I, as I said, he returns. The Bible is clear. Jesus is coming back. If anybody believes that, I want you to put your hands together and clap for the Lord. Would you do that? Jesus is coming back. And Jesus came the first time as a suffering Savior. But when he comes again in his second coming, he's going to come as a conquering king. You write this down. Revelation 19, 16, when he returns, he returns as the king of kings and the Lord of lords. So when the nobleman returned, he asked what they did with what he gave. And the first said, Master, I earned 10 pounds or 10 minas. I earned 10 pounds. Some of us said that to the Lord. Lord, I've earned 10 pounds on my body. <laughs> Lord, I've earned he said, well done, good servant, because you've been faithful. See, that's the key. You've been faithful. You will have authority over 10 cities. And then in verse 19, go ahead and look at it. The second said, master, I've earned five pounds. And the master said, likewise, you will be over five cities. And then notice verse 20. The third guy said, he, said he, that, that he didn't do anything with it. Notice he didn't do business. 
He didn't trade. He didn't touch anybody's life with it because he was fearful. He said, I feared you because you were an austere or strict man. And you collect what you did not deposit and reap what you did not sow in verse 21. Now listen to me close. Just because something is said in the Bible doesn't mean that it's true. Hear me. Just because something is said in the Bible doesn't mean that it's true. In other words, for example, notice the nobleman in the parable represents who? Jesus. Well, it is not true of God. It is not true of Jesus that he is harsh and austere and strict. This guy is just saying something. The problem isn't God. The problem is the man. Does anybody know what I'm talking about now? Just because somebody says something doesn't mean that's the truth. That's not the truth. Our God is not an austere man. Somebody need to say amen. Our God is not strict and harsh and brutal. He's not like that. The problem isn't God. The problem is the man. The problem is he didn't know God. And he didn't know God's love, and he didn't believe he was going to return, and he thought God was angry. And God is saying, well, if you really thought I, I wasn't, that, that I was going to return, then why didn't you prepare? Look at verse 22. This is the Lord talking. Out of your mouth I will judge you, you wicked servant. Verse 23. You knew I was an austere man. Then why didn't you do something with the money? Why didn't you put it in the bank? You could have collected interest. Isn't this interesting? They said, Master, every one of them said this, Master, your pound. Did you get that? Your minas. In other words, it's not theirs. They knew that. It's God's. Whatever you have, it's not yours. It's God's. And when you take what belongs to God and you use it for his glory and you give him glory, they will receive rewards, the Bible says, at the Bema seat of Christ. We'll talk about that in just a second. But notice in verse 24, he said to them who stood by, take from him what he has and give it to him who has 10 pounds. They said, Lord, in verse 25, he already has 10 pounds. Verse 26, very important, for I say to you, that to everyone who has will be given, and from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. Now, you write this down if you're taking notes. This, do you remember in Matthew chapter 13, right about verse 12, Jesus was talking about the parable of the sower and about the way people listen to the word. And he says, whoever has, to him more will be given, and he will have abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. In other words, Jesus is saying to the one who has ears to hear, more shall be given. Jesus isn't talking about physical ears. He's talking about the attitude of the heart. If the attitude of your heart is to speak, Lord, God will speak. Somebody say amen. If you come to church ready, waiting, expecting to hear a word from God, you will. If you come to church with man, I sure be glad when church is over because I'm trying to catch a movie at 730 and it's already 727. <laughs> if you come to church, see some of y'all <laughs> trying to get to it there, you're going to be late. I'm just going to tell you that now. <laughs> but they always have 15, 20 minutes of all that turn off your cell phone stuff anyway, so whatever. 
But if you come to church, let me tell you something. You will get out of church what you put into it. That's the way church is, people. You get out of church what you put into it. If you come to church, you sit here and you go, yeah, I'm just here. Rain like rain fall on us. Oh, yeah, the Lord's talking. Yeah, well, well, if you come to church with that kind of attitude and you're not coming to hear what the word of God says, listen, when you leave here, you'll get nothing out of it. But if you come to church and you're sitting on the edge of your seat with your neck stretched out, with your pen in hand, your Bible in hand, your notes in hand, and you're saying, Lord, speak, I'm ready to hear. I promise you God will speak to you. I promise you God will speak because he always speaks and he always answers when his people are listening. The problem is with people, again, just like this man, the problem isn't with God. The problem is with you. Because if you want to hear from God, you will hear from God. If you don't want to hear from God, you won't hear from God. And that's how come people can go to church for 20 years and never be changed. Somebody say amen. You could go to church all your life. Some folks will tell you, oh, I've been going to church all my life. You know, you know, you know they've been going all my life. And you ain't no different than the first day you walked in with your life. How's that? Because you don't go to church to hear from God. You go to church for a whole lot of other reasons to be seen, to meet a man. I know ain't nobody here like that, but I'm just chatting. You go to church for a whole lot of reasons, but you don't go to hear from God. Because if you go to hear from God and you go to be changed, listen, we serve a God who will change you. Somebody clap your hands like you know what I'm talking about. God will change you. And if you, if you have open ears and an open heart and an open attitude, God will hear you. God, 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 you know, it, this, it, God, God will speak to your heart. He'll speak to your mind. Look at verse 27. I'm running out of time. He says, bring here those enemies of mine who do not want to reign over them, who do not want me to reign over them and slay them. Isn't this an interesting statement? And slay them before me. Now here, you write this in your margin. You borrow your neighbor's pen if you have to, but you write this in your margin. He is talking about the great white throne judgment. The great white throne judgment involves all the wicked dead who are resurrected and they will stand before Christ who will be sitting on the great white throne. Then Jesus will grab the book of life. He will scroll through the book looking for their names. And if your name is not found in the book of life, you will be thrown in the lake of fire along with the devil, the beast, the false prophet, and all unbelievers who reject Jesus Christ. And the Bible calls this the second death. The first death is physical. The second death is spiritual separation from God, never to live again, never coming back, no reincarnation. Listen, you're not coming back as a cat. Amen. You're not coming back as, as some important, influential person. You're not coming back as a rock star. There ain't no coming back. You are cast into the lake of fire forever separated from God. You might be listening to me right now and you might say, you know what? I don't believe all this stuff. I don't believe all this stuff. Listen, you know what I say to you? So, wasn't that deep? Ain't you glad you came to church tonight? So, I'm going to tell you something. 
God is real. And just because you don't believe it, it doesn't make hell one degree cooler. Now clap your hands if you know what I'm talking about. It doesn't make it one degree cooler. You know, someday God will come again and he will judge man for their rejection of Jesus Christ and their blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. We talked about that last week. Pick up the CD. And if you call on the name of the Lord and if you say, Lord, I'm a Zacchaeus, I'm up in a tree. I'm out on a limb. I'm up a creek. Lord, come into my life and sit down in my heart. If you come with a willing heart, Jesus will come to you. Remember, he came to seek and save that which was lost. If you don't surrender your life to Jesus Christ, listen, that's your choice. But please don't stop and tell people, please stop telling people that God sends people to hell. God does not send people to hell. Can you say a better amen than that? Say it again. That's better. God does not send people to hell. You know, these interesting words, and I leave you with this, these interesting words are engraved on an old cathedral in Lebeck, Germany, and it says, you call me master and obey me not. You call me light and see me not. You call me the way and walk me not. You call me life and choose me not. You call me wise and follow me not. You call me fair and love me not. You call me rich and ask me not. You call me eternal and seek me not. You call me noble and serve me not. You call me gracious and trust me not. You call me might and honor me not. You call me just and fear me not. If I condemn you, blame me not. That's God's word. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light. Let me be a salt.